Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Well, good evening. If you're listening along live, if you're obviously listening to us on a podcast, I have no idea what the time is, but we are back this week with a veritable smorgasbord of topics for uh, for us to kick about. As you know, we tend to focus on the local, but we're not afraid sometimes to jump into national issues. And in the last couple of weeks, I think it would be fair to say, Simon, there has been plenty. Um, yeah, they, they say a, a week is a long time in politics, and for some it probably goes on about 13 days. Um, yes, there's been a lot of things happening over the over the last um, week or so. Um, so what are we going to tackle first then, mate? We've got a smorgasbord to look at. We've got a bit of Truss, Anderson, Galloway, and a bit of Hoyle. Yes, Truss, Anderson... Galloway and Hoyle, a, a very disreputable firm of accountants, if ever there were some. But we'll we'll go all the way back to the twenty second of February and a, a right royal row that broke out in uh, in Parliament. And this was one of those things where you know some accuse us of just talking nonsense, but genuinely there are times when we have to do a bit of research. So we dug into this for people uh, who remember the the row or for those who don't so effectively um periodically during parliament there is an opposition day where the opposition parties get to sort of table motions and debates and back on wednesday the 22nd of february it was the opposition day for the scottish national party um and they have been very vocal in terms of looking to um debate the state of Gaza and Israel, and they tabled a motion calling for an immediate ceasefire. Now, this is something that they did back in November, um, and at that point, um, 56, I think, Labour MPs rebelled and voted for the SNP motion. So that, that's the kind of background. Now, in terms of the, poly, the, the sort of procedure, is that because it's the SNP's day, the SNP motion gets debated. Usually there are amendments put in by the opposition party. So Labour put in an amendment, the Conservatives put in an amendment. And then the Speaker of the House, as you know, is there to keep order and ensure that those processes are followed. Now just, inter sorry Ian, just to inter interrupt you. So your, your camera's frozen Ooh. with you in a, in a, ah, that's better. There we go. Oh, forgive me. I'm we on had your laptop. audio. Just, just um... good, good folk. I hadn't realised that when it goes, uh, the, the laptop had gone dark. It had gone into sleep mode, and uh, it would be the camera stops working. So, right, we're back on. We've got to the point where, so we're there. So Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House, um, should have allowed a vote first on the SNP motion. Now, instead, he allowed a vote on the Labour amendment. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, all hell broke loose. So the SNP walked out. The Conservatives exited stage left. And all that were left in the chamber was the Labour, who spoke a bit about their own amendment. There was a vote and the amendment passed. 
because, well, there was nobody else left there. And at that point, that effectively killed off the SNP's motion because the amendment had passed. Now, there was all sorts of recriminations and finger pointing. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it, it was all a bit of a debacle. So, so how so how 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 was the decision arrived at then to allow more than one amendment? Because isn't isn't the usual practice only one amendment um, is allowed um, to that? Um, is it an early day motion? Is that the opposite, opposite yeah, so, motion? Sorry. Yeah. So in in this case. I, I think the Labour motion, the Labour amendment was put in first, but it all starts to get a bit murky. And whilst I've done my research, there, there, there are things in there. So effectively, Lin, Lindsay, Sir Lindsay Hoyle apologised the next day to the House and said mm -hmm. that um, his thinking or, or the reason why he allowed the Labour motion to be, or the Labour amendment to be voted on, was because he had been briefed that he feared for the safety of MPs. Now, again, I, I, I did some sort of understanding because, you know, as you know yourself, Simon, that the whole Israel-Gaza um, situation is highly charged at the moment. And, mm -hmm. and there are very loud voices on both sides um, who are kind of, you know, understandably, it's an awful humanitarian situation. But, yeah, it, it appears that... that, that the fear, or, or I, I tried to do some digging around on the fear, so I looked at two different sources because I'm a balanced man. Um, and according to The Guardian, the fear is of far-right extremists um, who are pro-Israel, um, effectively going after MPs who are not fully behind Israel. Um, and the, 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 I think it was the Times of Israel... Um, who basically took, as you might expect, a, the extremists on the pro-Hamas side of the equation were looking to intimidate British MPs who showed any support for Israel. So a fairly, a fairly dark day with lots of incrimination. And Sir Lindsay, whilst he apologised to the House for failing to follow procedure and offered the SNP, uh, I think, an early the earliest using an emergency motion to to get their proposal back in front of the house um yeah it, it didn't quell anybody down and he was very clear that whilst he apologized for not following process um he was never going to apologize for trying to keep mps safe yeah there's there's lots to unpack there isn't there there's the there's yeah. the there's the story about the, the about the process and about what is or isn't convention and how much that that becomes a rule or not and then indeed convention i guess is just something that's convention until it becomes not convention mm. um and you set a different precedence um but with the whole kind of the the whole angle of mp you know essentially is 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 thinking mps won't be able to vote the way that they want to vote because of um them receiving threats from what from whoever or or whatever mm. group those those people might be those people issuing those, those threats might might be um saying that they they support um if 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 that's if that's the thing then is there not uh, could we do we have to publish the vote yeah and and i guess for full transparency in in 
in the, the way the House of Commons work is mm. uh, there's the website that call I think it's called They Work For Us. Yeah. Um, and obviously every vote is recorded in in the House of Parliament. And yes, so so there is that. And I guess that that takes away one of the tenets of democracy in terms of which way does your MP vote? I mean, it does. It does potentially open, you know, open the door for for people voting with their conscience rather than along party lines. But there was there was a lot of sort of, you know, whilst whilst Sir Lindsay Hall was very kind of open in his explanation, mm. um, the recriminations continued. I think Sakia Starmer was accused that um that that Labour had put undue pressure on Sir Lindsay Hoyle, and whilst he denied very clearly doing that himself, he didn't answer the direct question in terms of did any of your MPs vote for it? And he then accused the SNP of just seeking to divide the Labour Party. Um, and the reason behind that is that the SNP motion basically accused Israel of collective punishment, whereas the the Labour motion was, shall we say, more diplomatically worded, that it very clearly called for a humanitarian ceasefire but did acknowledge Israel's right to defend itself if Hamas continued to use violence. So that that was the kind of background. Um, Sir Penny, oh, Sir Penny Morden, I've, I've misgendered her and gone ahead. Penny you is the leader of the House. You've frozen again, mate. The air, oh, am I frozen again? Sorry. Yeah. I need to do... I need to do something with this new laptop. My apologies. Yep. I will try and uh, try and not Drunk, to just because it's Windows. It doesn't mean you throw it out of one. Exactly. Um, so yes, Penny Penny Mordaunt was very supportive of of Lindsay Hoyle, um, as was uh, Ed Davy, and effectively, you know, we we there are I think around sixty MPs um, who have you know written expressing no confidence, principally from the SNP and the Conservatives. But again, the other little rabbit hole that I went down is there is virtually no way to replace the Speaker. So, I, you know, there were calls on Sir Lindsay Hoyle to resign. There were others that said, no, 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 he was just trying to do the right thing. And so, yeah, it was a bit of an, an indelicate day in Parliament. Um, and, and, yeah, it was one of those things where what, what should have been relatively straightforward in that I think most parties now are in alignment that there needs to be a humanitarian ceasefire. Um, it all ended up in a bit of a weeing contest. Which is, which is a shame because, I mean, aside from the, sadly, I don't know that um, something, a motion that's passed in the House of Commons in Westminster, sadly, I, I don't know that that's going to, End the end the bloodshed, um, and the awful situation um, that that's occurring in um, in Gaza, or is it, or, or will it cause, sadly, um, for the hostages to have been returned? So it's, you know, as much as the the Westminster dancing kind of took place, sadly, there's there's the reality of just how much of a difference would would that actually make. Um, to the people suffering on the ground, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it feel, yeah, it feels a little bit like, so as we touch on this podcast quite often, when you know Portsmouth City Council writes a strongly worded memo to the government saying, "Give us more money to do X or change this or stop doing that," whilst it's 
it's potentially noble the the impact that it has but i i guess it you know for me obviously there are you know there's the un security council places where mm -hmm. you would you would hope there could be consensus but um yeah i you know it's that it, it is that element of um politics rather got in the way on that one i think and um yeah yeah it looks like everything's kind of settled down but um yes yeah uh, not a not a glorious day for uk politics with people walking out and uh, and finger pointing and all of that mm. a bit playground in the end so what so, have you got for us next, Simon? This time. So um so talking about glorious days uh, uh, for UK politics, um the Rochdale um the Rochdale by election. Um so um so just to give us a bit of, a bit of background, um the the by election was caused um sorry, was called um due to the death of Sir Tony Lloyd uh, from Labour who um sadly having declared in january uh, this year that he'd uh, that he was suffering an untreatable form of leukemia passed away uh, peacefully um on the 17th of january um the constituencies located in the east of greater manchester and since 1997 the constituencies flipped uh, between the lib dems and labor um until 2015 when ukip came into second place so before that, it was a bit of a tussle between between red and yellow. Um, then UKIP um, mustered into the scene. Um, the constituency, by the way, voted uh, three to two in favour of, of Brexit. Wikipedia describes the constituency as um, as a place with above average unemployment mm. um, and significant British Asian community with Muslims accounting for 30 percent of the population. Um, as a context, the 2021 uh, census describes the UK average at 6.5. Uh, the turnout in the 2019 GE was 60.1%, uh, which is kind of what you'd expect for a, for a general. It's, it's more in other places. And the turnout on Thursday's by-election was 39.7%. So again, usually turnouts, turnouts lower for by-elections, so it's not necessarily a, a reflection of anything. Um one of the one of the candidates and there were 11 if mem if memory serves was azar ali who appeared although he appeared on the ballot representing labor um but was uh, since um suspended uh, by the party after close of uh, nominations so labor weren't um weren't able to replace uh, replace ali on the ballot um, because a recording that had been obtained by the daily mail was released which in which ali suggested israel had allowed the attacks of october, october the 7th to go ahead um once um released though ali had apologized and retracted his, his comments however further comments came to light and the labor and the party withdrew their support on february 12th um which again was it was um still within the election period so they they wouldn't have had an opportunity to um to actually stand another candidate and indeed there, there's nothing because of how electoral law works once the nominations are closed you can't change the names of the candidates or the parties they're attributed to so he would have still appeared on the ballot as a um as a labor candidate but if he had been elected he would have um, he would have um, um, sat in Parliament as an independent um, MP. Um, George Galloway, in case you had missed the um, had missed the, the news, um, managed to win. Um, now he himself was um, expelled from the Labour Party in two thousand and three after sixteen years uh, for bringing the party in disrepute. Disre disre um, he won thirty nine point seven percent of the vote on Thursday, um, and 
I've got some. I've got a bit of his um, his acceptance speech, which we which we can play in a second. Second place was local businessman David Tully, who is twenty one point three percent of the vote. Um, one of four independent candidates, um, with the Conservative candidate Paul Ellison returning twelve percent. Ali came in at fourth at seven point seven percent. The Lib Dems um, fifth with seven uh, percent. Uh, I've done those numbers the wrong way around. Um, sorry, the Lib no and Lib De uh, sorry and Reform sixth with six point three percent. I seem to have missed out sixth somehow. Mm. What have I done there? Who, who can say? But I think there's some, some yeah. really, so, there's some oh, really interesting things to unpack in there. Uh, just mm. before we get into George Galloway in depth, and, and it, interesting uh, for me in terms of you look at those things. You know, George Galloway won independent two um does that sound to you a little bit like none of the above um, um probably i mean yeah i mean you've got you've got to bear in mind that um anybody voting in that election knows that there's going to be another election um within a year um and therefore whoever it is that's get, that's going to be elected might not necessarily be around um, for long so perhaps those were, were those were protest votes um i mean keir, keir starmer said to the bbc that galloway had only won because labor didn't stand a candidate um he also apologized to the voters in in rochdale for withdrawing their candidate but but went on to, to you know to say that he still felt that that was the right thing to do in the circumstances but that at the ge they'll they'll stand a unifying first class candidate um for the for the voters um in rochdale so who knows what significance mm. Thursday has? Lots of people seem to be taking lots of different meaning from it. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. People know that whoever they voted for on Thursday isn't necessarily who they're going to have as their MP in 2025. Well, the the other thing that I, I am going to say out loud, um, which I think you know we, we can say is a truism, that is an absolutely terrible night for reform you know, who were looking at 10 and 12% or, or perhaps even more in some of those recent by-elections. And you would have thought Rochdale with a 60% leave and UKIP second in the, as he said, second in 2015, you would have thought that would have been bread and butter for reform without a strong Labour presence. And 6%? Um, yeah, it, it was it wasn't their greatest night, but they still came. I mean, it was a very crowded uh, crowded board. They still they still came um, middle of the table, if you like. Yeah, um, but they, but they were the lowest of of the of the parties who get to keep their get their deposit back. Yeah, but I guess there's that piece, you know, when 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 the or the official Labour non Labour candidate, the Conservative, the Lib Dem, and Reform, who all appear to have been ignored I, I i think i think reform would have been hoping for much more from that vote um but you know let's let's you know interesting george galloway isn't it you know a man who got thrown out of the labor party for anti-semitism before it became trendy and mainstream um i joke i joke but you know there is an element of um you know george has a, a long and checkered history so are you going to share what George had to say when he won? Um, yeah, so here's, here's a bit of his acceptance speech. I've clipped out that... So he was at one point interrupted by a, a climate protester. Um, 
and there was some orange confetti kind of sprayed in um, his direction. But I've I've clipped those bits out. So um, um, let's let's hear what he had to say. Keir Starmer, this is for Gaza. You have paid, and you will pay, a high price for the role that you have played in enabling, encouraging, and covering for the catastrophe presently going on in occupied Palestine in the Gaza Strip. Rochdale Town Councillors, I put you on notice now that I hope to put together a grand alliance. He went on to um, oh, to cool. talk to talk more about um, uh, about how he hoped to form this grand alliance of the of the parties and uh, clean the town hall clock. I I think that's a metaphor. I don't think it actually meant that he was getting involved in maintenance. Um, to um, basically to get rid of the existing councillors because they they all had to go. So um, it, it's an interesting kind of. It's an interesting angle in the sense of everyone else is rubbish. We're the only ones that can sort this out, um, which might work, I guess, in some situations and other, others have tried. But I, I don't know. It's it's uncharacteristic of him to be shy about it. So we shall see what else there is to come from, from Mr. Galloway and, uh, and indeed how quickly it is before something happens in the House of, um, in the House of Commons that means that He's um he he's censored in some in some way for saying something um in the chamber. You know that's probably quite yeah. Form. No, I think that's a I think that's a fair comment. So I I think it's a really worrying development for me. Um, I I see George Galloway as an extremist. Um, and for me, you know, we talked about it on this podcast many times about you know proportional representation and if that's the views of the the people and the people of Rochdale have spoken. Um. But when the uh, the people of Rochdale speak and elect an extremist, I, I think that's quite a worry for me in terms of UK politics because, you know, we, we, we're looking at division, aren't we, at the moment? You know, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of polarisation, aggression. You know, we spoke about threats of violence against MPs. And just a week later, Rochdale elects an extremist. I think that's a worry. Um, I think, um, I, I think if this was a trend, if this wasn't um, an aberration in in the in the numbers, because it's a by election and the candidate that you would have ex or the party that you'd have expected to win weren't able to actually field um, weren't able to field a candidate because of how our electoral laws work. I don't know that it that it means as much um, as some people are trying to say that it does. Um, but if you don't give, if if the local ele local electorate don't feel that they're being listened to or feel that they're mm -hmm. being taken for granted, then you know, to be honest, that's that's um, fertile ground for for people that want to come and um, come and make a case for. They will be the people that will listen to listen to the local electorate uh, and will do whatever whatever they need to do. It's um, 
it's not exactly a new campaign tactic of saying everyone else is rubbish. No. We're the only ones that are listening to you. We're the only ones that care about you. All of the others, all of the others are taking you for granted. And like you say, is this a is this a protest vote? Is this a I? We don't know because at the end of the no. day, all the no. people in Rochdale did was put an X in a box. They didn't tell us why or what they thought, um, or whether indeed that they thought that those things were. Um, you know, the things that um, George Galloway was talking about in his acceptance speech were important things to the to the residents of uh, of Rochdale. Um, he's obviously making a making a campaign and we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm. We'll see what happens what comes as, next? As, as, as time goes on. But um, he, he was interviewed. He was subsequently interviewed by um, by Sky News and said to uh, said to them that um, he he firmly believes that countries deserve a Labour Party or a party of Labour um, and until um, uh, until the people of Rochdale vote and until the, the Workers' Party w was um, got their first MP select, um, sorry, elected in Rochdale, Britain didn't have one. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, mm. so yep. it's the, I'm the true voice of the working, of the worker of the working man or the you know the the worker if if you're able to cut you know that's a that's a stick that can work in lots of communities that feel that they've been yeah, ignored yeah. um or, or and again taken for granted electorally so we shall we shall see um but yeah well from from potentially one well, from one voice of the people and and the voice of the working person to another Shall we have a little look at Lee Anderson? Um, yeah. So um, yes. So did you want to did you want to talk about him before we play the because we've yeah. got a clip just so, to just to give context to to what we what we're talking about and, and what everyone's responding to. But you have yeah. you um you speak to it first and then I'll then I'll play it. Yeah. So first, a little bit about Lee Anderson. So he's one of those sort of figures that sort of popped up in politics probably over the last ten years. Um, and back in uh, earlier this year, um, he was the Conservative Deputy Chairman um, and he resigned because he wanted to back the Bill Cash um, harder line version of the Rwanda plan. Um, and so from that point, you'd think, right, OK, he's one of those on the on the right of the right of the Tory party and and. Um, yeah, but a little bit digging in his history. Um, well, he was a very long time member of the Labour Party. So he was a conservative, a, a Labour councillor um, close to his, his kind of home in Mansfield from sort of 2015. In 2018, the Labour Party suspended him as a councillor um, because he took to piling a load of boulders to stop a traveller community um, parking up and, uh, and making camp. Uh, in his ward and then in 2019 he left the Labour Party um, basically citing that the Labour Party had lurched to the left um, and from a momentum perspective they, he, he said they were taking over the party. Now in terms of his his deep commitment to, to Labour and Labour politics um, for five years he worked in the as the office manager for the constituency office of the sitting Labour MP in Ashfield and in 2019 um, he stood against them and got elected as a Conservative. Um, so you can kind of look at him and think 
you've you I mean, there's there's changing tack and there's changing tack in this, aren't there? Well, I mean, is that the political equivalent of insider trading? Um, so, yeah, but I, I I guess it comes to that kind of question about if you're if you want to get involved in politics or you want to get involved in changing things for your local community, quite a lot of people that get inv- end up getting involved in politics don't actually want to be involved in politics, especially at a local level. They just want to change things for the for the local community so sometimes they'll they'll end up being um being members or and campaigners or even councillors for parties that don't necessarily appear to be an ob- obvious obvious fit kind of values wise it just kind mm. of seems that some for whatever reason you know party x was the first people or they've got some friends in party x and they were the first people to speak to them invite them to a meeting and it's you know it's a slippery slope you deliver one leaflet and the next thing you know you're standing as a councillor um it's, so, it's gateway drug isn't it it's gateway drug it, it is leaflet, so leaflet. so and he and he's certainly not the first or the last person to as it were cross the floor um no you know lot, lots of politicians locally have have, have done that and some of them actually more than once um and probably the you know the probably the the uk's most famous prime minister did it twice so yeah and i think there's something for me that's like you know in in 2018 you're a labor councillor and and by you know early 20 by 2023 you're you're deputy chairman of the conservative party it's I, I take your point about crossing the floor in in local politics because perhaps the the team to the left or the right of you were slightly nicer fault but it is quite a leap um a little bit more about the anderson controversy has followed him around i mentioned yeah. his um his impromptu traveler blockade um he also um, was called out during that 2019 campaign where channel 4 were doing a bit of filming and he was caught on microphone saying well you you, you can know that i'm the conservative candidate um but it's important that they don't know that we're friends um, oh yes and went and knocked the door and it was like oh hello aren't you the conservative council uh, the conservative candidate for this ward yes i am so um yeah yeah so there was that and and again he he was investigated fairly soon after that um sorry for, hang on, hang on. Well, are you are you trying to tell me there's an element in, of staging in in political well, media you'd you'd hope not simon but but Good. this one he was God, no. caught, caught red-handed um he was then investigated by the tory party for anti-semitism um because of liking a a facebook group um that was notoriously frequented by stephen yaxley lennon the norp known as tommy robinson um, the outcome of that was never made public, but he did go and do some awareness training. Um, so yeah, he's got this this long history of of what what many people would be consider appalling ways of talking and appalling ways of behaving, and and others would say, well, he's a he's a good, honest, plain speaking northern man, which is how he, he tends to portray himself. So should we have a listen to the man himself and see see 
yes. Yeah, so, what so his the, latest outburst was that got him into hot water. Yeah, so th- this is a clip of him. So he was in an interview on uh, GB News. Um, so, so this is an excerpt um, from uh, from that cl- um, from that interview. Got a very cowardly con um, running London. He's uh, he seems to be letting the uh, not only the Jewish population down, but the old population of London and Britain as a whole. And I heard the comments here. I heard the comments earlier you was making about Suella some of the comments she made earlier this week. And I don't actually believe that these Islamists have got control of our country. But what I do believe is they've got control of Khan and they've got control of London and they've got control of Storm as well. Yes. So he doesn't believe that the Islamists have got control of the country, but he does believe that they've got hold of Khan, of London and of Starmer. Um. Yeah, it's just a horrible thing to say. I don't. I don't kind of get. If you t- if you took out the word Islamist and replaced it with a descriptor for any other religious group, um, you wouldn't think to say, or sensible people wouldn't think to say it. Um, and sensible people would distance themselves as quickly as possible from anybody that did. So, what what happened after he he did said it? What was the what was kind of the next thing? I, I'm sure that. Rishi weighed in and said, "This is this is an abhorrent thing to say," um, and wow. basically showed him the door. So, so there there was an element of um. So, so Rishi said that his words were unacceptable, um, but stopped short of accusing him of being Islamophobic or racist. Um, you know, and and he was originally asked to apologise. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, he didn't, um, and, and basically took the, my words were clumsy. Um, and so the, the, the whip has been withdrawn from him, and I think there will be an investigation yeah. kind of that, that follows. And I think, you know, for me, uh, there is this element of, you know, is he the northern Boris Johnson? Oh, good God. Um I think I think there's a degree of to to what you were speaking to earlier on. There's a bit of the you factor it in. He just quote unquote says it like it is, and yep. he speaks plainly. Um, it's kind of used as a bit of a as a bit of a cover all and a bit of get out of jail free card. When when you're making accusations like that, that's not a. I'm just saying it like it is. That's that's a you know that's a slur against a person because of because of the religious group that they happen to be a member of yep. um and an accusation that that's saying that so you, i i did find it kind of interesting the the pin on which a succession of conservative cabinet ministers then tried to dance on saying it was wrong but not saying why it was wrong um and not calling it out as either racist or Islamophobic. Was that the, so yeah, it's wrong, uh, but yeah, we don't know I, why it's wrong, but it's just wrong. Yeah, and I think that's the piece, isn't it? It, it, it is that element of, uh, and the reason why I sort of threw in the, 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 the you know, this sort of populism mm. um, it is, is something that, that, you know, it is concerning. And, you know, I, I, I you know, again, there were the several other control controversies, you know, which is, 
you know, he basically said that anybody that any asylum seeker that didn't want to stay on the barge that was anchored off the coast of Dorset could f off back to France. Um, you know, there, there is there's just this whole long litany of as you say, well, I just say it how it is. But I think there is much more of a worry, um, which is it is appealing to a, a, a slightly shady demographic, which isn't a worry. And interestingly, before this story broke, um, I think back in November, um, he was he was on record as saying that he had been offered a significant amount of money to join a political party that began with R, and I think the uh, that lovable rogue Nigel Farage, after this story broke, uh, encouraged him to beat a path to reform where he would be most welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, the broad coalition that Boris Johnson managed to form mm. by, um, by getting a load of Conservatives elected in red wall seats um was always going to be next to impossible to maintain because mm. Boris Johnson for all of the things that he was not very good at um and we don't have enough time to list them one of the things he seemed to be very good at is convincing people that he was on their side um even when he was being very good at telling one group of people one thing and telling another group of people a completely different and contradictory thing mm. um, in, in order to get them on his side. So he managed to form this unwieldy coalition that, that delivered the result in 2019. That again, might not have just been because of Boris Johnson, might just have been because the electorate um, were just completely pissed off with um, the stalemate in in Westminster about, about delivering Brexit. Um, I, and and that was a house built on foundations of sand, wasn't it? It was always going to be a, the more you lurch to try to satisfy the the values um, or concerns of someone like Lee Anderson, for every vote you pick up there, you lose you lose probably another couple of votes in the shires, as it were, um, of, I don't want to say sensible people, but of more quote-unquote mainstream conservatives who or traditional yeah, conservatives or, yeah or more tolerant people i think would be the, the place where i would go with it and i think you know the fascinating addendum to these kind of three stories is obviously rishi was on the steps of downing street on friday making a sort of announcement non-announcement um which you know we can do in more depth but i i you know if i look at these three uh, stories that we've put together in a um in a trio it, it does for me it all three is a worrying trend towards polarization in politics more extremist views and and that then potentially stimulating yet more extremism outside of our political system um i, th I think to a <laughs> I think, but I don't. I don't know that that's the the, the cause or the or the symptom. I think, I think to a degree, I, I, the irony in in the the irony that I found in in the PM's speech was 
have you not been paying been paying attention to the things that your very own ministers or indeed ex-ministers or deputy chairman or now ex-deputy chairman have, have been saying are you mm. um if this is this is an interesting point at which for you to stick your stake in the ground and say up with this i shall i shall not put but but you have um mm. and you, you've done very little to to basically say to people in your own um in your own government no that's out of order that's disgraceful um and bugger off because you are not you're you're not going to be speaking like that and saying um inflammatory things like that um sadly there are there there seem to be either votes within the party or votes outside of the party um for people that believe those sorts of things and are happy to listen to them and and lap them up um the other thing that disturbed me about the pm speech was i was always i was expecting him with that litany of these things are all awful and there's a steady d- descent into extremism. These things are not okay. I expected him to pivot to, and that's why I'm introducing mm. new new law. And he didn't. He didn't do any of that. The, the most he did was say, police, we've got your back. Um, that was me giving a thumbs up, by the way. Um, yeah. it, but it was a, I just thought it was a nothing and nothing speech rather no. than a, rather than a something and nothing speech. Um, but I guess that's the unwieldy coalition that Sunak is trying to control. Um, and I guess within his own party, everybody knows that the game's up and the next election is less than 10 months away. Um, and unless something miraculous happens, they're not expecting to win it. So I guess they they might be thinking, why the hell should I listen to this Sunak guy? Well, and I think that's where the challenge comes, isn't it? Because it's that he's trying to throw red meat to the right of the party um in terms of uh, oh you know george galloway bad oh we need to oh you know this is you know police you need to sort that out mate um you know which 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 is a little bit playing to the the lee anderson narrative um while at the same time as you point out rightly failing to recognize that you know lee anderson was was taking the oh i think suella's gone a bit over the top in terms of her article um, you just look at it and think, well, you know, again, whilst I've never been a Rishi fan, uh, he 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 just looks so out of his depth, and and you know the 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 the, the small boy that never should have been allowed to to look after. So, yeah, that that kind of rounds out those three. So we need to come away from extremism and and really weak prime ministers. What have we got as our as our dessert course? Sorry. I feel like I feel like I've missed a trick. I feel like the soundbite I should have clipped was Gavin Williamson saying, you know, when he famously said, um, spoke of Putin saying that he should shut up and go away. Um, I feel like I should have just had a button that should shut up and go away because that's kind of how he sounded when he said it. Um, but here's an, here's another person that perhaps Sunak might be hoping um, would just stop talking and go away. Um I mean, they were quite far away, but yes, Liz Truss at um, at Liz Truss at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. It's it sounds very excited. The Conservative Political Action Conference, um, founded in yes, you've got your Liz for Liz for Liz for, Liz for leader. Liz for leader is a bin, which is um, strangely prophetic. Um, does it hold a whole lettuce? Uh, yeah, you probably could get one in there. Not a big list. It's not a sort of full iceberg, but a, a remain or a cause. Yeah, I think you get that comfortably in there. Don't don't say mm-hmm. remain. 
<laughs> so, uh, sorry. So, so, right, so, Liz Truss, what's she been so, up to? So, yeah, so the CPAC was, by the way, founded in 1974. It's the annual conference of conservative activists, activists and elected officials uh, from across the US and hosted by the American Conservative Union, the ACU. So basically, it's it's a knees up for conservatives um in in the states um they hold they also hold a straw poll um, every year um to see whether the existing um the the existing uh, candidates for the in the primary um basically to to rate those and and um see whether they think they should be president or not um but yeah here's here's a clip of um Liz Truss being interviewed um by Steve Bannon um she was asked to give her thoughts on who was behind her her being removed from office um and this was as covered on the real american voice Look, i wanted to cut taxes i wanted to cut the size of the administrative state and those people didn't like it the economic establishment in britain wanted to keep things the way they were and they did they got me was it the economist that got you was it the Financial Times of London? Are these the people we got? This they're, is the party at the, the city the, of London. These, are they these, the ones that run the deal these, over there? These, these are the friends of the bureaucratic establishment. They are the friends of the deep state. And they work together with bureaucrats, of which we've got many more in Britain than you have here in the United States, to keep things the same. Good Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah well. I couldn't see the video, Simon, so could you just help me out here? Was Liz sporting some kind of cranial apparel from the tinfoil milliner? <laughs> no, she no, she she wasn't. Um she was um um no, she she had no head apparel on. Um she was um just at a at a well, not a podium, but behind kind of um, some sort of stand with Steve Bannon, um, and there was someone else off to off to their um, off to their left, um, which I gather most people. Well, I don't think were. there was anybody to their off right. To, off to their there? right. Um, um, yes, um, I mean there was. I mean she did go on to talk about how, and I don't quite know what it means that um, that she, that basically we needed to get a bigger bazooka. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know quite what the significance of uh, of that is um probably not something you want to want to say uh, um at a conservative conference in america because someone will probably go and buy one at walmart and um <sighs> well in, in, very interesting isn't it because th there is this piece that and i think you mentioned steve bannon there i think yes. he is a i think colorful character um well, he's 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 a man with with lots of history of. I mean, he, he does lots of things to support conservatives um, in the states, um, or and conservatives are uh, around the world, uh, basically. But he's um, but he wouldn't be supporting the sort of conservatives that um, that that presidents of old, like um, even George Bush or Ronald Reagan, uh, would probably find familiar. He he did it at the, at the beginning of his. Um, at the beginning of his uh, of his interview, he he talked about um, how the uh, how the Americans had effectively kind of sympathy and support for um, the conservatives that were like Liz Truss, but not the Rhino Tories. Um, and just to clarify, that's not a, that's a Rhinos are um, so in America you've got the Republicans and the Democrats, 
and the yes. rhinos are republican in name only basically you're not right wing enough to be considered oh. a, mo- a modern uh, a modern republican is kind of what that's saying so a, a, a rhino tory is i guess would really be tino other yeah. conser- or to other Tory in name only, or Kino or Sino, conservative in name only. Either either way, basically you're in the party, but you're not. You're, oh, you're, I've got it. I'm there now. Rhino. Uh, it's yes. a mnemonic, isn't it? Yes, yes not as yes, in name only. Got there. Ignore, Sorry, ignore the silent slow. H. Yes, it's been a, it's been a long day. day. It's been a long day. Um, so um, he, it just seemed incredibly unhinged. Well, I think, that, you know, if I look at the whole thing around Liz Truss and her very brief premiership, there is an element of, of you know, she, she if I can use a sort of poker analogy, you know, she sat down at the table to play the game and before the first card was dealt, she basically pushed all of her chips into the middle of the table and said, I'm all in. Um you know, which is an incre- incredibly risky position, and and that ill-fated, well, it wasn't a budget, was it? it? Was a mini statement or something? It was just, you know, again, it, it was one of those things where, you know, it, 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 it for me, it was the right-wing equivalent of the 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 kind of left-wing equivalent is is the thing called modern monetary theory, which basically says. Um, if you've got a sovereign currency, nobody ever needs to be poor because you just print enough money um, to ensure that everybody's wealthy. Um, you know, which there, there have been attempts to do that um, in Zimbabwe and uh, in Venezuela, and it, it didn't end well. Somewhere in the house, I've got a, a, a $10 million Zimbabwean dollar note, which I think is worth about four quid. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is an element of, you know, Liz was was always destined to failure, and I think, I guess, if you blame the deep state, it, it's easier to do that than stand well, on a podium and say, yeah, I was a complete ass, I got that wrong. Well, the, I mean, I, I, I mean, of course, um, the Financial Times and the City of London, um, you know, the, um, the the stock exchange, those those well known Marxists um fame they, for it. yeah you know that um you know when they when they're not swilling champagne with john mcdonald they're um they're finding ways to to um to get rid of the next conservative leader i um just in case anyone misses that that's sarcasm um but i i don't know i think i think she's she i i i just get the idea that it's like richard nixon being worried that people are going to forget him yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, oh, oh, Liz, people aren't going to forget you. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're going to remember not, you. For... Yeah, but you're, you're probably not going to be remembered in the way that you want to. Yes. Um, but there is an element of there is no way back from that. Um, you know, because well, I guess ooh, am I am I perhaps treading in a never say never way? I. I you know, again, this is where sometimes, despite the fact we we both enjoy looking at politics and we try and understand the way it ticks. Um, you know, if we look at our friends across the pond, Donald Trump has won every single primary and is virtually now home and hosed to be the next presidential candidate for the Republicans. Um, and Joe Biden, who for me looks and sounds frail, is going to be the 
candidate for the Democrats. And I, I, I can't work out how a political system asks you to choose between those two. You know, there's got to be no way back from Donald after inviting people to storm whatever it was he asked them to storm. It's like, you've crossed a line there, son. You're never coming back from that. But smart person wouldn't back against him, would they? No. Um, and, and unless someone changes, is it the 25th Amendment? Unless someone changes the 25th Amendment, if he does get re-elected as the, as the president, he can't stand again uh, unless they change the 25th Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess our summary, how would we summarise this week's episode? Bit of a worry, lots of extremism all over the shop. Um, I think it's it's down to those of us who are, you know, we like to think on this podcast, our whole reason for existence has been to give a platform for folk from any political persuasion to, to air their views. Um, we've been brave enough to delve into the world of some fairly extreme views this week but um hopefully going forward we will bring you much more sensible and moderate folk than the uh, the topics we've covered this evening yeah I, I hope so i hope there's a bit more of being the change you want to see rather than indulging in a bit of well masses amounts of hypocrisy and what about let's um yeah, that is, yeah. That is a risk or you know or the other side of that simon is that the the deep state will be after us and we'll have to we'll have to broadcast in tinfoil hats like uh like liz there i don't know what that will do for the wi-fi signal no no possibly not so um in the absence of tinfoil hats you've been listening to the pompey politics podcast i've been ian tiny morris uh, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Uh, do join us next time. Make sure to uh, like, follow, or subscribe to us wherever you wherever you see us. If you're seeing us on Facebook, uh, please do follow the page and make sure you click to get your notifications. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, do likewise tick that bell to make sure you get your notifications when we're going live. Um, and we'll see you uh, see you next time. Um, you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. <laughs>